He got it! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Now that was fun, wasn't it? Just how Georgia planned it, right? The dogs winning on the road thanks to a late fourth quarter touchdown pass from Jacob Eason to Isaiah McKenzie. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 52 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. And in that clip you just heard, all of the great components that make up a memorable fan video of the winning score took place. You had the legendary Brent Musburger's call emitting from the TV in the background, someone asking, almost begging, did he catch it? That was my wife. And then you hear me confirming the catch and my friend Matt Richardson doing what every Georgia fan did at that moment on Saturday night, letting out an uber-enthusiastic Larry Munson-esque quip as we then dance into the night, still wondering exactly how did Georgia pull that game out. This is the Georgia-Missouri postgame show. Will Leach and Tony Waller will break down the good, bad, and the unexpected as the dogs... Coach Smart and Jacob Eason and company notched their first SEC road win of the 2016 season. Oh, and I say Tony and Will because I was obviously out of town and I was hunkered down at the lake this past weekend with my family and Matt's family where we obviously did our part in cheering the dogs to victory. George is now 3-0 on the new season. Let's let Tony and Will break down the game a little bit more in depth and share with you their thoughts exactly on that amazing last couple of minutes of the dogs' victory in Columbia. Here's Will. All right, first off, we do not have Scott, as I'm sure he just told you in the intro. He is going, he's outside doing something in the world with like nature and lakes and water. And I don't know why he's doing that, but I'm here. Uh, It's fall. It's fall. We have no need for that. It's fall. Yeah. Like fall exists in the South. It's 100 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. You people are (laughs) insane. Um, But anyway, so I'm just here with just Tony. That was something, <laughs> to say the least. That game, of course, we are recapping Georgia's insane 28-27 win over Missouri on a last-minute touchdown pass from Jacob Eason to Isaiah McKenzie. My first question for you, Tony, how many times in the fourth quarter did you think this game was over? Uh, every 44 seconds, approximately. <laughs> yes. um, you know, the funny thing about this game is you know, I'm sitting here, and I, we got some people over, and I told I told uh, Ed Wayne, who you know you know from the tailgate, I told him it's like, hey, this is this is going to end badly. But we did talk about on the on the podcast this week. Who would you want in at this point? And you know, it was like take let Easton take his lumps and see what he can do. And by Joseph, he didn't do it. Fourth and ten, what a throw over the middle that just nailed McKenzie. It was beautiful. Yeah, I don't want to hear – of all the things to talk about from this game, the one thing I don't want to hear any more from, from anyone, reporter, coach, or otherwise, <laughs> is about a quarterback controversy. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that was – I think the quarterback controversy died last night in Columbia. And that is not to say that Eason was perfect uh, in this game for any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I know that uh, Jesse Palmer was getting after him a little bit during the broadcast, but there were times where he was not throwing the deep ball uh, all that great. He seemed to like kind of either let up or uh, a little bit – they, clearly, it was a, a guy, a kid that's 18 years old, playing in a pretty loud environment uh, for the first time. But when it came down to it on that drive, which frankly is a drive I'm not sure Georgia necessarily earned or that they were ever going to get. But for them to take that drive and run it down there, I mean, we're going to be watching this guy play quarterback for Georgia for the next at least three years. And I think this is going to be a moment where we all realize, oh, this is this is the guy. Yeah, and you know, the, the interesting thing about it is, I think Georgia, at least for the time being, has found their offensive identity. And to all the folks out there, we order run the ball, people. Um, 
Yeah, until we find a way to either block better or they start respecting Eason's arm, we ought not to run the ball. Um, I love Chubb. I love why he brings the table. I was really there were a couple times I was confused with. It felt like we were intentionally running sets to have Chubb run up the middle and just get clogged up. I, you know, I think uh, the few times Michelle ran the the sets were actually a little more conducive to to runs. Um, I'd be surprised if we don't see some more next week in Oxford out of our running game, toss sweeps and things like that to, to open it up. But it was fun. It was a fun game. It, there's a, this Again, this is one of those games where in the end it might not matter. We still could go 8-4 and four and still like, oh, wow, we beat Missouri. Um, that was the highlight of the season or, or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, is that Jacob Eason, as an 18-year-old, you know, second game starter, Went on the road to a play, to, and the crowd was in that game the whole time, despite how Missouri kept shooting themselves in the foot. And, and he engineered a game-winning drive, including on fourth and ten uh, for the game winner. It was really impressive. I mean, I, I think we're going to be able to look back and see this is the day that Jacob Eason came of age, at, at least as far as being Georgia's starting quarterback. And certainly there were plenty of issues in this game, starting with that offensive line, which you know, to be fair, well, I'm sorry. I, I you, you know how I always forget player names. The, the transfer from Rhode Island, Catalina. Yeah, asking him to take on a first round NFL draft pick was always going to be uh, asking yeah, he's, trouble. I, this guy's going to be all American. Yeah, I, I don't see any way he's not all American. He was. I mean, granted, he was against Catalina, and that that could skew things a little bit. But he was everywhere. He, I bet he had 50 tackles. Had to have. Yeah, and I know a lot of that had been frustration a little bit because he'd not really broken through. Can you believe that guy didn't have any sacks in the first oh, game? That's it just crazy. feels like, yeah, because that guy was just dominant. So, you know, but again, you know, as good as he was, we're about to run into Mississippi and Tennessee and, and you know, some, some pretty talented guys there. And that is the thing. It's funny. I like that you brought that up about the plays they ran for Chubb because you're right. They didn't, they felt like almost stubborn play calls. I, I, I kind of liked the inventiveness of that. I feel like the, like on the, uh, on, on the second wildcat, they may have gotten a little bit too cute, the one that cost them five yards. But otherwise, I thought once they realized, you know what, that's not working, I kind of liked that they fixed it up a little bit and they, they, they tried some different packages. But to me, the, the two major things that took me away about being scared about uh, from this game were the offensive line and, frankly, the receivers that aren't McKenzie, who's not always anyway the most shredded guy, and and Godwin, like Davis, drops some balls. <laughs> like they're, they're for the yeah. outside receivers are clear uh, issues, and for a team that I, I think it's not so much them not respecting Eason when they stack the box. I think part of it is that they don't respect those receivers. Yeah, I think there's an element of that, and and you know when you. Uh... A couple of them can't get separation, and a couple of them that can't get separation have a hard time holding on the ball unless it's thrown perfectly. Um, yeah, that's continu- going to continue to be a problem uh, unless we suddenly magically learn how to catch the football some. You know, I was thinking about the, the – we were talking about the play sets with Chubb, and I think some of those were purpose play sets, right? They were, they were designed to set up to say, you know, we can still – we, we're still not afraid to run the ball in the gut of your defense. Um, and it ended up you know, paying off later because we'd had Chubb in uh, four or five plays in that drive that, that actually softened him up and made him you know, have to play some tight some tight zone, including the, the big pass at the start of that drive that got us back in, uh, out inside the 50. Um, you know, but it, it, looking at the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we had, we had five takeaways and none of them resulted in points. And that's... In and of itself a concern, but you know, anytime you take away five drives from a team, 
you 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 like your chances. <laughs> yeah. How many how many points is a takeaway worth? Seven. Yeah. Um, so you know we we actually we actually what scored negative seven points in this game? Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, sure. Just go with that. Um, yeah. One of the things uh, math confuses me. So the obviously everyone will be talking about. Uh, the the play at the end of the game. Have you seen, by the way, the uh, the, the video came out of the guy lost his mind and broke his window. There's an awesome oh. there's an awesome Twitter video of a guy uh, watching the touchdown and losing losing it in a pretty insane and very amusing way. I recommend. Uh, I'm sure it's going around the Georgia Twitter sphere uh, as we speak. But so clearly that's the play everyone's going to remember. But man, if there's a play that won this game. It was a Quincy Monger play like that. Uh, him grabbing that interception and getting his foot down, which, by the way, I thought was obvious. That like it was weird that the ref missed that uh, in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That like that was a pretty obvious. Uh, it was right in front of the ref too. Yeah, and, like judge, even watching crazy. watching it in real time, it looked like yeah, that's obviously an interception. But that yeah. was a huge. Obviously, it was a huge play. But it was a terrific play. And I think you know, on one hand, yes, Missouri made some mistakes and they, they are the ones that made the five turnovers, but clearly Georgia was opportunistic uh, defensively. I'll say also, Drew Locke, we're going to be watching him for a couple of years. That guy, yeah, he, that guy looked good. So to, to make those, to cause, and what's funny is I feel like a lot of those mistakes were made was because they were just kind of running with that pace on their offense for the first time. So uh, they may clean that up in the next couple of years. I feel like Missouri is going in the right direction. I like the look out of Locke. He, um, he really, really has a lot of poise about him. I think he got flustered in the second half. Um, I think we got to him. You know, I think we started getting a little pressure on him that helped. But I think he also kind of panicked a couple times and threw the ball when he didn't need to, and it ended up resulting in incompletions. But you know, just looking through the stats, will I, I, it hurts to give up 471 yards? Still only gave up 95 yard rushes on 37 runs, um, and and they were clearly trying to. They were trying to run the ball. I mean, they were way more balanced than we were. We ran a lot more plays than they did, but we had a lot of bend don't break uh, in this in this game. And considering the youth we have on the front and how it looks like we've regressed a little bit, the defensive backfield, I'm 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 actually okay with that. I, it's amazing how I had mentally prepared myself for this loss. I think we also thought in that fourth quarter, fourth quarter as we said at the beginning, this looked like a loss. This looked like this was the way it was going to go down. To pull it out that like this way. Which, while getting a lot of help from Missouri, to to have it come down like this, this is now three games that have been tight, and three games where it's really gone one. Just they've been forced to have it go one way. That said, we I feel like I think somewhat unfairly, but a lot of things that Georgia fans have been frustrated by over the last few years are those games that just those games that they don't pull out, or they feel like they're out coached, or so on. Is there something that you saw? from Kirby and the staff that is sustainable or repeatable in winning these kind of close games or did everything just fall the right way? I mean, I think, I think the question, I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. I mean, things did fall the right way, but the, I think the more important takeaway is, is that especially with such a young team, in particular, a young quarterback and some young players in key positions, you, you get to go back and say, look guys, we know how to do this. And if, if we get, I mean, you know, I, I'm still a little, I guess, probably, sh- you know, shell shocked or however you want to put over the past few seasons where, you know, it felt like when we got down the fourth quarter, the game was done. And that's a little unfair. That's that's some probably some revisionist history. But the fact of the matter is, I, I felt that's not the that up until we scored the touchdown or it started driving down to score the touchdown. I felt like we we're probably going to lose the game. I got hope once again, we started moving the ball. But the 
you know, if let's say we're in Oxford next week or, you know, somewhere in Florida in, in late October or whatever, and we need to go 75 yards with three minutes, I mean, that's when the coach can pull me up and say, We've done this three times this season already. Why do we, this is this is just what we practice? Let's go out there and play the ball, play the game. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of takeaways here. And Georgia got a lot of breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the breaks they made, but they you know that last fumble was just a pure. Uh, it was a pure you know let's listen you know listen this ball game. The football gods looked down and said Georgia's winning this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say they would have scored. I'm just saying that yeah, yeah. you know a lot of us had a lot. There was a hot pucker factor in the whole. Um, oh my gosh, he just hit. A 17-yard pass, and oh my god, he fumbled. Yeah. Um, for all the, it's fine. We've t- talked this much already about some of our frustrations and some of the things that didn't go well or that they need to work on, and we haven't talked about the kicking situation yet. Uh, neither one of those kicks were really difficult kicks, to be honest. No. One was a little bit of an angle, but uh, certainly should have hit. And the other one was pretty straight on and with 38 yards. And you know, this was these are this was an issue in North Carolina uh, as well. Can you I, listen? I, I get it. He's a kid. The kickers are under a lot of pressure. He looked particularly upset after that second miss. But man, I, I don't know if I mean this. This team is getting serious. Like they're, they're three and zero. They've got the two biggest games of the year coming up. Is that guy your kicker for the next game? Yeah. Oh, who knows? I mean, I wrote the sports blog this week that um, it's basically a net negative anytime you kick a field goal when you're inside the. Um, Inside the opponent's 25 or thereabout. Um, when you look at advanced stats, you look at Bill Conley's and uh, Brian um, Fremo's numbers. We had first and 10 from the 11 and third and five from the six, and we missed a field goal. And then we had um, second and four from the 12. And, you know, that's that was the little jet sweep you were talking about or the little wildcat play we got too cute on um, that pushed them back. But still, both of those kicks were just – I mean – neither really had a chance i mean i guess the first one had a chance the second one did not have a chance or i might be flipping them in my head but it's hard to see a situation if i'm kirby smart it's hard for me to see a situation where i put ham back out there in a position to kick a short field goal it may be bring blankenship in on these long ones but i don't see why if you're unless you're like four and 25 from the 25 that you don't go for it i I just but again i'm not paid a lot of money to coach the georgia bulldogs and it is clear we have a problem with our field goal kicking there's no way to be polite about it there's no way to dance around it we just have a problem with it so you look around we'll kind of wrap up with this look around the sec east tennessee did not look terrific yesterday luke del rio appears to be out if not for the entire year most of the year uh, if no one else, has, South Carolina did pull it out against East Carolina, but otherwise they're not particularly impressive either. I don't know, man. I mean, this team's three and zero now. Uh, you know the the it's it's hard to see a situation. I mean, so much of it's still going to come down to how we play against Tennessee and Florida. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, our whole season could be one of these crazy. We're going to win by a point or lose by a point all the way through. Um, I mean, you know, next week is probably right the second, the scariest game we have left on the schedule, I guess. Right? Um, you know, they scored a bunch of points, but they just they did the same thing they did against FSU. Speaking of FSU, they did not look great. No, they did not. Uh, um, you know, so you know, if we go into Ole Miss next week and, and 
even if we lose but look like we play them well, I still like our chances for winning the East because Tennessee and Florida both look like they continue to have issues. Um, you know, you made the point last week that Tennessee looked like they figured something out. Well, they forgot it over the last week because they looked just as bad in that whole game that they as they did against the first half against Virginia Tech and the entire game against App, against App State. And then with Del Rio out, who knows what's going to happen with Florida? I mean, they had the same situation last year where they're you know they had several quarterbacks get hurt and they still ended up playing well enough to to win the East. So. And, you know, I, I hate to I hate to revert to coach speak, but I guess right now let's just take it one at a time and see what happens. So on the Oxford, I guess. Or, or, I mean, we should probably leave now. That game kicks off really early. Yeah, I was gonna say 11 a.m. Central for crying out loud. And Mississippi, it's funny. I was hoping one of the many reasons I was hoping Mississippi was going to win that game against Alabama yesterday it was it would just make <laughs> them look even stupider for having that game be at noon. Uh, yeah. Rather than, yeah. but whatever. Uh, it's not going to stop us from having a good time at the Grove next week. Yes, we will have a great time at the Grove. So, um, all right, well, they won, for crying out loud. Well, I'm curious. My last question, we should wrap up with this, I'm sure. And I, uh, I, uh, I will not, by the way, just everyone, I will, I'm leaving for my weekly sports Illustrated trip on Tuesday this week, so I will not be able, I'm just telling you this now as well, I will not be able to do the show in studio this week. So, I'm, so I want to make sure to ask Scott this question as well. What did you personally do when McKenzie caught that ball? Well, I, 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 hugged, I hugged my wife. I mean, I jumped, I jumped straight in the air because uh, I'd been standing up for the better part of the fourth quarter. But I jumped straight in the air and then hugged my wife and then, and then gave Wayne a high five because he was, uh, he was like, don't leave me hanging, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. That, that was it's funny. That's a, that was a classic. If you have children, yell loud enough to make sure you don't wake the, the kids. Uh, oh no, yeah. the kids this morning. The kids this morning. They, they, the first thing they said is like. Did, did Georgia win? Because we heard y'all yelling. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> but it's worth knowing that, like, yes, that's that there will be yelling uh, when they lose as well. I'm curious. Last, last thing I want to just I want to uh, go on your knowledge here. I, I'm, I only go back the last three years or last four or five years, I guess, as a conclusion to an SEC game. It's got to be among the top five most exciting Georgia finishes. Um, yeah, that's probably right. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking it's certainly it's not as impactful, but it it may turn out to be as the Hobnell boot game against Tennessee in '02. Um, I believe that was '02. Um, yeah, or the you know the the um, the overtime uh, winner against Alabama on the road uh, that would have been oh. Four maybe I don't know, that would have been oh three maybe I don't remember what year it was, um, but you know those are you know those certainly rank up there and then and then the game against Auburn where we clinched our clinched but it's been a while it has been a, a long time since we've had a, a certainly a road game where we drove down we were behind and we drove down we, there's been games that were close where we we closed it out but um, yeah in those particular set of circumstances that's it's been a long time coming. All right. Well, Missouri, one thing I always hear from all my friends that are Cardinals fans, of course, but of course, always Missouri, Missouri fans. We're cursed. We're cursed. Our football team is cursed. Uh, the fifth down, they have all of these things that they feel they were cursed on. This is not going to help that feeling. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to make them feel better. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, all right, Tony. Uh, great game. Very exciting. Uh, I will not be in the show this week, but I will see you in Oxford, which is going to be awesome. Sounds great. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out our WSLS podcast pick'em contest over on funofficepools.com and see if you can beat the three of us each week. As it stands right now, Dumb Man, yes, that's right, Dumb Man is in the lead 
with a 34 and 7 record and a total of 278 points. Will is holding down the 33rd spot and a mere 17 points away from first place. As for Tony and myself, uh, we're ranked kind of down near 90th place, and we've got a lot of work to do, to say the least. So tweet us out your thoughts on the dogs or any questions you might have so it could be included on our next episode later this week. You can find us on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. It is Ole Miss week now officially, and Tony and Will are preparing their Winnebago to roll out to Oxford, and although they aren't too keen on the 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff, it should certainly help the visiting dogs as the Grove won't have too much time to get cranked up and perhaps might help Georgia sneak out a quick lead in this game. But we'll save the analysis for later this week. It was an amazing win over Missouri, definitely one us Georgia fans won't soon forget. Have a great week, and we will talk to you and see you on campus very soon. Go dogs! Thank you.